And so good afternoon, and welcome to the first event of August. I can't believe it's August. It feels like it ought to be April or May or something, so welcome to August. It's the 3rd of August, 2008, and this is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School for this week, for this Sunday afternoon, afternoon for most of you. It's uh, Sunday morning, of course, uh, here in Maui. And sometimes we have uh, people in Europe who listen, where it may be moving into the evening. But uh, nice to be with you. I want, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I want to uh, thank you uh, for sharing the uh, enthusiasm and the good news about this event with your friends. Every week we have people who sign on, and so a special hello to the women and men who are joining us for the first time this week. And uh, again, a special thanks to those of you who've taken the time and, and just done a little mental review of uh, people you may know. Uh, well, let me say what I'm trying to say. People you do know who may be interested in this kind of event. I guess that's what I'm saying. People that you do know who may be interested in personal growth, success, fulfillment, uh, self-realization. Um, as you've heard me say, and maybe you guys uh, have the, the same curiosity about the disinterest that most people have in who they really are, such that uh, as we get older and older, people know more and more about those around them, become fascinated, even obsessed by understanding people in their lives, and yet they have so little interest in who they really are. And it's uh, such a shame. And <clears throat> where do we hear about this? Who is talking about an interest in yourself? I like to say that we have uh, fingerprint evidence and DNA proof of our individuality, and yet uh, most people would... Uh, just as soon not explore any of that. They don't know how. You know, how would you do that? What's what are the tools or the or the techniques for self discovery and personal development or simply self awareness or self realization or sometimes it's called actualization. Um, terms from the spiritual community, from the psychological community, and yet uh you don't generally see stories in Time or Newsweek or uh, Psychology Today about knowing yourself. And uh, Anyway, that's our theme. And uh, again, our topic for the day today is loneliness and solitude. How can this feeling of uh, being alone <coughs> run the gamut between such heartache, such desperate loneliness at times, all the way to the opposite end of things, the the bliss, the sweetness <laughs> of solitude. Same situation, I'm still alone, but I'm really digging it, I'm really, really loving it. And uh, do we have any control? You might have guessed that this was my implication. Do we have uh, the ability to move ourselves along that spectrum, presumably from 
the negative loneliness to the positive benefits of, of solitude and just how fulfilling it can be to be alone. And uh, so uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, and then we'll go into any questions or comments that you have, and then we'll do, as uh, we like to do every week, a guided imagery exercise at the end to help install and reinforce the benefits of of uh, what you're going to learn today about yourself and about feelings of loneliness. We've all experienced loneliness. I don't know what percentage of us understand how sweet solitude is. Part of the problem here is that we can be lonely in a crowd, can't we? We could go to a party, a house party, a business mixer, and bring our loneliness with us into a room full of people seeming to be happy and have a lot of fun, and yet here you are, you're lonely. So loneliness is not merely a function of finding yourself alone. It has to do more with personal emptiness. Um, And solitude, on the other hand, really doesn't require that we're alone, but Usually we think of solitude as being physically alone, such that we're not distracted by other people or their needs or their demands or expectations, and to be truly free. I have, uh, again, I want to remind you to use the submit button on the bottom of the page just to say hi, to send a comment or a question. Most people never do. I can see we have far fewer comments every week than we have people online, and that's okay. Um, I'm not insisting, but I I love the feedback. For example, um, one of our regular attendees is Charlotte in uh, Montreal, formerly of Southern California, I believe, and she writes this morning, even before the event began, uh, a short little paragraph about uh, how much she loves the topic And uh, she says, uh, sometimes I get away for a bike ride by the river, filling my eyes with the blue water and the blue sky, or read or listen to music or just contemplate the sky. And uh, she goes on to say, a few times I drove cross country by myself, and people would say how courageous I was, but... In fact, it just felt so good to be alone and free. Listen to those words, alone and free. Even as a child, Charlotte says, I would escape sometimes, and I'd feel these moments like a gift because family and people around me seem to demand so much. I lose who I am. Well, there you go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, I may experience solitude in different ways, but... To have the fulfillment of self, to 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 be your own best friend, I think is what I'm talking about here, is the experience of solitude, or can be the experience of solitude, as contrasted with the loneliness that we all know. Now, if when I say that, you say to yourself, well, that's not really true. I'm not really lonely. I'm way too busy to be lonely. Uh, okay, I wouldn't argue with you, but check in again. As I said a moment ago, it's possible to be very busy 
and to be surrounded by people and still feel kind of lonely. Because that kind of loneliness is not merely a function of being alone. It's feeling cut off and disconnected. That kind of loneliness is about a self-imposed isolation or alienation or separation that feels like an emptiness and longs for some filling up, longs for fulfillment. Solitude, on the other hand, I'm not sure very many people ever experience. Charlotte's talking about a a solo cross-country drive from Montreal to California and back. That's far out. That's like like four or five days in the car alone. And um, yet, you know, you you stop for gas, you stop for lunch, uh, you pull over, you smile at people, you say hi. Solitude can be so sweet, so wonderful, if you are there with you, right? If you are your own best friend, if and when you find yourself as interesting enough to be with, right? And you are, never doubt that. I know there's some self-deprecation attitudes where people think it's good to be falsely modest and to pretend that you have nothing to offer yourself and you need other people to fulfill you. But I'm sure you've noticed that that often doesn't work. Fulfillment is an attitude about yourself, about being with yourself. And solitude offers that. But how often? How, I mean, think about it. Right now, here at the top of our, of our class today, have you ever been alone? I mean, really, really alone. Not, not good or bad, forget that, just to have you, I mean, what's the longest, maybe I should put it that way, what's the longest period of time that you've ever spent truly alone, without a phone call, without seeing anybody, without a wave or a how do do or a simple nod as you pass by? Most uh, most of us, I guess, would think that, well, we'd have to, like, unplug the phone and lock the door, or Charlotte did get in the car and drive out into the countryside or something to get any of that. Uh, my, my initial experiences with solitude came in college as I would uh, seek an escape on the weekend or uh, between terms. And often in the summertime, I would take a, a, I did for two or three summers in college, I would take a very light load, maybe half a semester class. And um, then I'd have a few weeks to go off on a backpacking trip or a fishing trip or whatever. And would often jump in my car, and I was in Michigan at the time, going to Michigan State, and uh, drive north from there and go Michigan uh, as you can imagine, beside the Great Lakes, has thousands and thousands and thousands of little lakes left over from, you know, the last ice age. So there's all kinds of opportunity to go swimming or fishing or camping or whatever. And, <coughs> excuse me, then uh, as I got a little older, I came to California um, I'm in my uh, mid to late 20s, 
and I start thinking that I want to go beyond car camping. I want to go into the back country, and uh, wasn't really sure how to do that, so I bought a book. By the way, uh, I still remember the title. It was called The Complete Hiker, or maybe The Complete Backpacker. Uh, Colin Fletcher, I think, was a guy's name. God, what a great book. I bet it's still around. Maybe maybe an updated, revised edition. But there was a chapter on boots, and I'd read that, and then I'd go buy a pair of boots. And then there was a chapter on uh, sleeping bags and the right, all the varieties of sleeping bags and what would be right for you. And I read that chapter, and then I went and bought a sleeping bag. And after about six months, I had finished the book and purchased the gear. And I looked for somebody to go with me, but at this time, I'm at ABC Radio, KLOS, and KABC. I was pretty much working weekends, and uh, everybody else worked during the week. So my weekend was Monday through Friday. Uh, I often went backpacking alone. And um, initially, I had a little problem with it. I was uh, I was sort of uh, bedeviled initially by voices in my head. And I'd sit out there, I'd be fishing, or I'd be walking up a trail alone, nobody to talk to. And I finally realized what it was, was the output of my brain in an environment of low input. In other words, like most people, especially in the United States, I was so um, overwhelmed by media input by listening to television or listening to the radio or working in radio. I mean, there's always information coming in, right, and commercial jingles. So here I am backpacking the first few times I went out, and I realized that my head is full of this stuff because it's emptying out. In the absence of input, there's nothing but birds and the wind and the trees, right? It was just elegant. But in the absence of that high level of stimulus, auditory stimulus, my brain starts draining itself, I guess. And it, it, it took me about two days, a little more, two and a half days, I would think, initially, whenever I would go on one of these trips, to find my head emptying out. And then by late in the morning or early afternoon on the third day, as I recall, there'd be a change. Gradually, little by little, we would we would fade into a full-on experience of being outdoors and being able to walk without hearing songs in my head. And it's, it's not that I don't like music. I love music, but most of the songs were jingles, you know, like, you asked for it, you got it, Toyota. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm obsessing on these stupid jingles as I walk down the trail. But again, after a couple of days, it starts fading, and for me, by usually by noon on the third day, it's all gone. And then you hear things you never heard before. You hear the sound of your feet on the trail. You hear uh, the birds and little sounds in the bushes and the wind and the tops of the trees and, and coming down the range, and you just start getting more tuned into nature. Now, that's part of the experience of solitude, but then it would get even sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And that's what I'm promoting. I'm not saying you got to backpack 
but to get away from people, even for a couple of hours, to hike into a little... Uh, a lot of our listeners right now are in the Los Angeles area, for example. <coughs> Excuse me. Those mountains, those foothills uh, north of Los Angeles are uh, full of opportunity. If you've never hiked up in there, um, I mean, as far east as uh, San Jacinto and Mount Baldy, that's sort of where that east-west range begins, uh, up above San Gabriel, uh up above Pasadena and La Cunada, there are some incredible trails up in there, the Angeles Forest. There is a trail up above the Jet Propulsion Lab, the Arroyo Seco, goes up to Switzer Falls, or you can drive up to Switzer and then walk back down. God, it's like the Sierras. You wouldn't believe you're a stone's throw from downtown L.A. It's beautiful, especially in the spring. It gets a little hot this time of year. And then further west, of course, the Santa Monica Mountain Conservancy and uh, Topanga Canyon and, and uh, even Malibu Canyon. There are so many opportunities for hiking, for getting away, and uh, two minutes up the trail, you'd forget you were near a big city. And then you can get a little bit of solitude. Now, I feel i got to add a proviso here if we're talking about backpacking alone or hiking alone, that it's really not a very smart thing to do if you're going to go out into the wilderness for, you know, far from the city for a long period of time, like that Sean Penn film, Into the Wild. That's a bit much. <laughs> you know, that's not really what I'm talking about. And then remember, he can't get back across the river because all the snow melted. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, it, in spite of the wonderful benefits I'm describing of solitude, it's really a good idea to, to hike with somebody. And cell phones don't usually work out there. It depends on where you are, whether you can get a signal. But, uh, it's a good idea to take a cell phone. I'm an amateur radio operator. We used to take shortwave radios with us. Uh, and that could be a lot of fun, too. But, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is if you're going to use a backpacking or hiking experience to create the sweetness of solitude in your life, um, give that a consideration. I, I won't tell you not to do it, but uh, I always knew it was somewhat dangerous for me to be 30 miles from a road or a telephone uh, three days out and... Uh, Nobody's around, and I'm alone. And if something happened, I fell down, broke a leg. Uh, there's nobody to send for help. You just sort of lay there. So, having said that, nevertheless, how do we, in a world like this, uh, living most of us in urban areas, get that sense of solitude? How do we ever get alone? And the truth is, most people never do. Most people, in spite of episodes of loneliness will live their entire lives and never know solitude and never have that experience never find their brains draining in a sense from being overstimulated never have the experience that our grandparents and our great grandparents and our ancestors before that had on a daily basis to just be alone and to really feel immersed in and saturated by the 
natural environment around you and the sounds and the experiences of that environment. And we wonder why we're stressed. You know, we cut down living things, we pave it over, we build stuff that is dead, where the living things once were, and then we call that estate real. If things are growing on the estate, it's not real. But if you kill all the living things and build some dead buildings, then it's real estate. It's really a sick concept. I'm not opposed to the concept of private property. Well, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have mixed feelings about it. But isn't that odd that we call developing a natural wilderness area, cutting down the the, the living things and paving it over and then building dead things and we say I've developed it and now it's real estate no there's nothing real about it and we are impoverished by living in cities if we don't find the solitude of nature sometimes in our lives and experience the draining of that overstimulated brain and experience on the second or the third or the fourth day what it's like to be in harmony and tune with your environment. Will there be periods of loneliness? Yeah, probably. I can remember times at night. Maybe I had a little campfire and I'm sitting around the campfire and I've just made myself a little meal and the sun's starting to go down and then maybe a deer comes into camp, as often happens because a lot of people feed the deer, so the deer become scavengers. They're looking for chocolate chip cookies and things that you give them. Not that you should, uh, especially the bears. But, you know, I remember coming on a porcupine on a trail once, walking around the corner, and this porcupine is standing there on the same trail. Animals use the trails people use, right, and vice versa. So I came in around the corner, and there's Mr. Porcupine standing there staring at me for about one second, like both of us deer in the headlights, and then the porcupine scurried off the trail and down a little embankment into an uh, area of bushes. And I uh, automatically, without even thinking, I turned as if there should be somebody next to me or behind me, wanting to say, did you see that? Did you see that porcupine? Wasn't that cool? And nobody was there, of course, because I was hiking alone. So I was a little disappointed, or the deer coming into the camp at night. And you want to turn and share that, see that cool experience reflected in somebody's face, because we're social creatures. We love each other, and, and, and we want that kind of sharing, that quality of, of sharing and you turn and there's nobody there and again you get that little hit of sadness like oh I'm alone but <coughs> a lot of that I think is like the overstimulation that I talked about after a few days all those commercial jingles and songs that are in your head that you obsess on uh, that are back there anyway, but you don't hear them really until you go out into the wilderness or nature. And then just as those empty out and you can reclaim real peace of mind in tune with nature, the same thing happens with loneliness. You have an experience like I've just described of the deer coming into camp 
or running into the porcupine on the trail and turning excitedly, wanting to share that with somebody, but you can't. And so, yeah, you'll get hits of loneliness, but that will drain too. And you begin to feel this incredible, at least you have the opportunity to feel this incredible fulfillment, this feeling of being enough in the world. Do you get a sense of what I'm talking about? Part of the backpack experience, and you can do this with meditation. You don't really need the backpack. Did I mention that? We're, we're sort, of <laughs> sort of leading up to that, right? How to get this solitude and how to lift loneliness into the sweetness and fulfillment of solitude. Uh, we can do the meditation right in the middle of New York City or Los Angeles or any place else. But I'm talking about a sense of, uh, well, you know what it goes with in the backpacking environment is having no money and no ID. I love to do that. I love the idea of uh, even stashing my car keys, hiding my car keys so I could walk without car keys, and then without money, although we used to carry dimes for a payphone if you ever needed a payphone. Sometimes you walk out of the wilderness into a tiny little city, you have no money. Welcome back to civilization. So we would carry dimes, or today I guess you'd carry quarters or a calling card. But that's about all. No wallet. I loved being able to leave my car keys behind, leave my wallet behind. I had no ID. And even if my pockets had been filled with money, what good is it in the wilderness? And the feeling of having no money and needing no money and having everything that you need on your back, even if you did bring it <clears throat> from civilization. I mean, I, I remember in high school some students criticizing Thoreau because even though he went to Walden Pond to find the solitude and the isolation, he would go back to town for supplies. And some some of my fellow students thought, well, that's uh, hypocritical. It's not hypocritical, of course. He just needed to go back to civilization for supplies. I mean, we've always, in any period in history, needed crossroads and, and, and towns and urban centers to, to get our supplies, you know, the coming of the roads, so to speak. You guys know that song, that folk song, The Coming of the Roads. So it's not hypocritical that Walden went back to town, nor that a <clears throat> that a, a backpacker would take a camp a little a little backpack camp stove and some propane and maybe even some freeze dried food or whatever, because that enables us to feel when we are out there. Excuse me, <coughs> I've stopped drinking coffee in the morning, and uh, it is morning here. And I should take some hot tea in its place. I'm not used to that. So um, this feeling of having everything that you need with you, that that uh, what good is money out in the wilderness? It, it's just a note that has value if you meet somebody. But if you're, if you're alone and experiencing this fullness of solitude, the sweetness of solitude, having no money or or a roll of $100 bills in your pocket is irrelevant, you see. Uh, this is an example of the stuff that money can't buy, solitude 
and the fulfillment, not loneliness, but the sweetness of real solitude. Uh, this sounds like a, uh, a pitch for backpacking and, and hiking and, you know, day hikes and such. And so be it. The more people we get out of cities into the wilderness and the countryside, the better off we'll all be. But I'm not saying, again, that that's the only way to experience solitude. We're going to do a guided imagery exercise here uh, in a little while that will uh, uh, hopefully be an example of what you can do to move yourself from experiences of loneliness to the sweetness of real solitude. Okay, so Charlotte's got her cross-country trip and her bike rides by the river. Uh, I'm talking about uh, car camping and especially the day hikes and the backpacking trips that can get us out into the wilderness, and, and even, as I was saying, in a wilderness, you may not think of a, a day hike uh, in the mountains above Los Angeles as being wilderness, but even a city park, just to be in a place where there's open space and grass, green stuff, and, and a few trees, and to reconnect, uh, I hate to sound like a hippy-dippy uh, guy here, but uh, I am a tree hugger, aren't you? When was the last time you hugged a tree or climbed a tree? Didn't you climb trees when you were a kid? Didn't you like to be up in the as high up in the trees you could get, and then watch adults walk by underneath and they didn't know you were up there? That's not just solitude. That's like commuting with the tree, being in nature and connecting with nature and as I began to mention a few minutes ago this is a source of so much of our stress and anxiety that we pave over what's living and live in the deadness of cement and buildings that are not alive and don't grow trees grow right and even if we just surround our place with a little bit of nature and walk out into it from time to time, like Charlotte's bike ride along the river, you can do that in L.A. There was a section in the L.A. River I used to ride my bike along in, uh, in Glendale. Really nice little section, and there were turns and ducks and egrets down there in the, in the riverbed, even, even though it was a cement channel. And... Uh, so, even though my topic today is loneliness and solitude, I'm really making a pitch for reconnecting with nature. Go hug a tree, kiss a tree, climb a tree, lay in the back in, your gra in the grass. When was the last time? Uh, probably, probably not since childhood, because we're grown-up, dignified adults, that any of us have rolled down the grassy hill, just... You know, if you're a kid and you see a nice grassy hill, you want to roll down it. It's the most natural thing in the world to do. But once you hit, what, 15, 17, 20, well, I'm too mature, I'm too dignified uh, to be rolling down the hills like a little kid. Well, okay, that's our loss, don't you think? So get out into nature. But again, we can lift our loneliness to solitude 
wherever we are, if we're willing to close our eyes and visualize. I'd like to remind you of the quotation we put in the newsletter Friday that invited you here and sent you the link to come here, most of you. Some folks right now are listening to us on the podcast, and some are listening to a replay that has been accessed from my website, and of course there are those of you who are listening now live. But whatever is the case, uh there was this little quotation that I put in the newsletter a few days ago that said, um, gosh, I can only paraphrase now, I don't have it in front of me, that, that loneliness had to do with um, not knowing yourself and not liking yourself and, and being empty. It's a poverty of spirit. I think that's what it's the, the way it was, this quotation, that loneliness is a poverty of self. And that solitude is a fulfillment of self. This is the next point that I want to make. Solitude feels lonely if we don't know who we are. Loneliness has much less... Let me say it this way. Loneliness has less to do with how many other people are around you than it has to do with how well you know and understand yourself. If you are often lonely and feel that heartache and that longing to be filled, whether it's romance, gosh, I wish I had a lover that was available to me so that I wouldn't feel lonely. Or whether it's just friendship, or maybe it's a loss because someone in your family died, or a friend died, or or moved away, and you're grieving that loss. Honor that. Honor that loss. Don't be afraid of it. Step into it. Feel it. Plumb the depth and breadth of that loss, of that grief, of that death, if you will. The death of an individual, or the loss of a relationship, whatever. Feel that loneliness fully and completely so that you can arrive then at a place of understanding. And this may happen suddenly or it may come in little dribbles and drips that you can experience yourself in such a way as to not be lonely. You can be interested enough in who you really are. Begin to explore the implications of, wait a minute, I've got some fingerprint evidence and DNA proof that I'm one of a kind. And if I don't explore that one of a kindness, my own uniqueness, then who's going to explore it? And if I don't develop what I discover then who's going to develop it and how would it ever get developed? And that's what loneliness is. It's not the absence of relationships with other people or a lack of meaning in those relationships. It's an absence of self. I know it carries the appearance of I am alone. And I love the synchronicity that alone is really all one. It's important.
impossible, really, to be alone if you're spiritually aware that there's only one thing at work. There's only one mind and one heart. But it comes in the form and has many, many different points of view, and you are one of those points of view, and I have a slightly different or maybe a very different point of view. All right. But each of us and all of us and every seemingly separated thing in the spiritual or metaphysical sense is part of an ocean of one energy. Separate physical forms, but one unified or at the very least uh, harmonious energy at work. Being aware of that, being sensitive to that, cultivating and developing that sense is the fulfillment that you were hoping other people could bring to you, and they can't. The whole idea of taking responsibility for your feelings is based on an understanding that your feelings are your feelings. So that means anything that hurts you has been evoked from you. If somebody insults you, you can say, well, they hurt me or they made me mad. Uh, they made me feel this way. Well, okay, there's a certain truth to that. That nasty, insulting thing impacted you. But the feeling you're left with is evoked from you and says much more about you than the individual, the group, or the circumstance that provided the stimulus. And so it is that your loneliness is more about you my loneliness, of course, more about me than the people around who are either not there or somehow failing to fulfill their responsibility to give meaning and purpose to us. I'm sorry, that's an unrealistic demand. And we make it of our family and our friends and uh, our lovers and our partners and our kids and our parents and our bosses and our co-workers and employees we want other people to fill us up we want other people to love us to make us feel safe and to bring meaning into our lives and it doesn't work unless and until a much more primary and fundamental component is in place and that's self-awareness self-realization to be aware of your life from your point of view and account for that. This is me having this experience of life. This isn't just anybody's life. This is my life. And I don't mean in a separative way. I'm talking quite the contrary. It's by this quality of responsibility, of, of, of ownership, that we then connect to other people. It's not... Other people need to provide me with fulfillment and satisfaction, and then I'll have something to give back. If you love me, then I'll love you. That's backwards. We've always got to give something first and then receive it. If you're feeling lonely and you want to lift that to solitude or just get out of the loneliness, it's not that you have to bring something to you to end the loneliness, companionship, conversation, 
sympathy, empathy, understanding, caring. You don't bring that to you to lift your loneliness to solitude or fulfillment. I'd suggest you give something away. That forces you to take an inventory of what you have to give away. And that requires that you, again, put your attention on the self, as it should be. The best thing you can do for other people in your life is to know yourself. To thine own self be true. Know thyself, right? Uh, why these admonitions in the greatest wisdom and literature of all time? Because that's the order. And look how resistant we are to that. It feels to many of us selfish to put ourselves first. It's not selfish necessarily to put yourself first. If you put yourself first and follow that with selfish behavior, well, okay. But if you put yourself first as a way of maximizing your contribution to other people, well, that's as it should be. But in either case, you must... <laughs> You've you got to put yourself first. We always use the uh, air mask on the airplane as a prime example of this, where you're reminded before takeoff that if the cabin should depressurize and the air masks drop, be sure your air mask is on and in place before you start helping other people. Now, why is that not selfish? And why would most people automatically rather help others even if it puts themselves in peril. Many people do that. You know, they run into a burning building, and then later they're called a hero, and the guy says, well, I'm no hero. I didn't even think. I just, <laughs> I just did what came naturally. But natural or not, we've got to put ourselves first. You must be the most important person in your life. The captain of your ship, the master of your destiny, and the president of your fan club. And that will not make you arrogant and pompous. And that will not frighten your friends and put you into a place of being lonely because you put yourself first. Quite the contrary. To truly know yourself. And to have an expanded and spiritually based understanding of who you are and what you're for allows you to maximize your contribution to other people, allows you to be of greater service to other people. And in our theme for the day, allows you to lift yourself from that loneliness of I need others to the sweet fulfillment of solitude or engagement, friendship, social connection by giving from your bounty from the abundance of your true character. Okay, if you're a funny person, you give laughter and humor. If you're a, uh, a profound philosopher, you give wisdom. If you just want to be a good friend, you just listen. You don't say anything, but you're present. That's giving, isn't it? You don't have to say a word. Just sit there, shut up, and listen. And that's giving. It's giving attention. You have so much to give, even if you're short on money. You have time. You have your energies and your efforts. You can 
as we said the, a few weeks ago, you can always pick some flowers uh, out of your yard and uh, maybe some lemons off the tree out and back and just give those away. We're doing life backwards in our desire to get, 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 get. Whether it's getting material things, um, stuff and property and money, or getting people to love us, pulling them toward us. It's, it's, we're working the program backwards. We want to receive and then give. And the principle is give and then receive. It's not you get to sow what you reap, is it? It's you reap what you sow. You can't say, well, I want to harvest, and then I'll plant some seeds that I get from the harvest. You're not going to have a harvest if you don't plant some seeds. Think about what a great leap this was for humanity a million years ago to go from hunting and gathering to germinating seeds and domesticating animals. Do you get what an incredible leap it is from harvesting what's around you to an agrarian attitude of planting a seed and cultivating it, feeding it with compost, weeding, watering, and maybe protecting from too much sun or too much water, companion planting, pest management, all that goes with farming, okay, with growing something. That's a giving so as to receive process. And that's the antidote to loneliness. Don't try to pull people into your loneliness. Shatter the loneliness by putting your attention on yourself and what it is that you have to give away to other people. I'm going to do a show. I don't know when. But we're going to do a class in the not-too-distant future on the concept of networking, which is business backwards. It's business based on giving rather than receiving. And a lot of business people have a real hard time with this because they're so fear-driven. I haven't picked up a paycheck. I haven't been employed in about 20 21 years <laughs> not full time anyway uh, I've been self-employed, independent consultant and a trainer and by the way still do that so all I'm saying is that <clears throat> in any situation we have to get the order down and whether it's business or any other kind of relationship the tendency of wanting to receive Excuse me again. The tendency, the the longing, the belief uh, is understandable that I feel empty or I'm feeling lonely and uh, I want to receive that fulfillment and I want to call you up or pull you forward and give you a hug or uh, or I've, I've, I've got to bring some information or some circumstance to me that's going to... It's backwards. It's all backwards. If you're lonely, if you're feeling, or when, how about when you're lonely and when you're feeling uninspired and even sad or a little depressed, and loneliness is a component of that, 
lift it to the fulfillment of solitude or or not, the fulfillment of being involved with other people by giving something away. And give to give, needing nothing in return. Those of you who are getting the premium podcast that Steve and I do, keep your ear to the ground because we're doing a program in a couple of weeks. We're going to podcast a program, the Finding Yourself in Paradise premium podcast that I tell you about every week. We're going to talk about the difference between give to give and give to get. Because if you give knowing that you're going to get something in return, even if it's spiritual or metaphysical, even if you say, well, that'll be good karma, all right, I'll get brownie points for that, then you're not giving. You might say, well, I didn't make a contract to get paid back in kind, and I'm not getting anything in the physical uh, to remunerate me for that giving, to balance it out. You know, like the Christmas card list. Somebody, you send them a Christmas card three years in a row, and then one year they do not reciprocate. And you take them off the Christmas card list. That's keeping track. If you're keeping track, you're not giving. It's a barter. It's an expectation. And so this is part of this whole loneliness, getting out of loneliness uh, idea, is don't bring or pull or draw toward you in any sense the fulfillment you're looking for, but bring it out of you. It's you that's lonely. Lonely is, let me say it this way. When you understand who you truly are, when you become interested and even committed to what makes me unique, what makes me tick, why do I think and feel and act the way I do. Who is this guy, Michael Benner? And you would say the same thing about yourself. Who am I really? And, and, and what makes me different from other people? As you develop that, and it'll happen more quickly than you might think, you will have the best friend in the world yourself. You will never feel lonely. You'll always have this really cool person riding along with you. Right? Whether it's Charlotte's bike trip on the river or her cross-country drive or my foray into the wilderness or sitting in the middle of a crowd and feeling lonely. Give. Sow. Plant. Offer up freely without condition. Without any expectation that you're going to get any kind of benefit, either on the physical plane or in the spiritual or karmic sense. Just let it go, and that's when the magic really works. When we give of ourselves, from ourselves, without any expectation, without any attention at all, uh, or need to get something back, even from the universe, much less directly from the individual. Let go of all of that. Give to give rather than giving with an expectation that you're going to get something on some level. And you'll amp up and accelerate that whole process. I promise you, the primary antidote to loneliness is not to get somebody to sit beside you, engage you, talk with you, love you, fill you up. Quite the contrary. Fulfillment comes from giving what you've got. And as you come to know yourself, you'll have the best friend in the world.
you'll always have a buddy that's sitting right beside you, your higher self, your better nature, the part of you that even comforts you when you start the, the, the <laughs> those self-deprecating inner dialogues, and you know, when we beat ourselves up and so on. Well, let's see if we got uh, some comments and questions here that we can respond to. Again, I want you to, even now it's not too late, to use that box at the bottom of the web page. Just put your first name and city in there, either a question or a comment or just a hello and a howdy-do. It's always nice to see, uh, again, Charlotte, we already mentioned, she's in Montreal. Uh, in Pittsburgh, John, who's with us every week, and nice to hear from you as always, John, thank you. In Oxnard, Randall says aloha, Michael, and aloha, Randall, back at you. Uh, my friend John in Van Nuys, John Walling, who I've known for more years than I care to remember, best comment he says he ever heard about loneliness was from a mutual friend of ours named Jim Morissette. I wonder how Jim's doing. He said, uh, when I start to feel loneliness, I get the L out of there and move on to oneliness. A great play on words that truly fits. Thank you, John, and thank you, Jim, wherever you may be. I never heard that, never thought of that. Loneliness to onlyness. <laughs> Meaning, again, not the separated only, but the totality, I presume he means, the oneness of only. And once you know there's only one thing at work in the universe, one mind, one heart, one thing, one life, how could you be lonely? You see, that's when alone becomes all one. Or that other play on words I like a lot, uh, atonement meaning at one Look at the derivation of these words, and now we have onlyness from loneliness. <laughs> that's nice, thanks. Randall and Oxnard says, yeah, the complete walker by Colin Fletcher. He says, the Bible of backpackers. There have been several updated editions. Colin died earlier this year. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. So he's on the great backpack in the sky. That was a wonderful book. And I never met Colin Fletcher. I never had him on my radio program. And the book's got to be 20-plus years old. But... Uh, uh, I bet it's a good one. I mean, I bet it's still relevant, is what I'm saying, for somebody that wants to go out into the wilderness. He wrote a couple other books, too. I think he wrote a book about hiking through the Grand Canyon and uh, maybe a few others beside that. But the one I mentioned for you aspiring backpackers is uh, The Complete Walker. And it'll change you. If you have never walked out of a car camp area, uh, or away from a trailhead and gone deep into it, especially where you may not see people for two, three, four days. Well, that's pretty far out. Just don't be silly like the Into the Wild movie and expect to find an old school bus you can live on, right, while you wait for the river to rise too high to get back. In uh, Surprise, Arizona, Lorelei, Aloha, Michael. Did you see what the bleep crew on Larry King have a great week? I no, I heard. I mean, I did weeks or months ago, but I Doreen had it on in the other room last night, and I heard him refer to Jay Z. So maybe that was a repeat, and maybe that was a new program. But we were talking about uh, the secret 
a couple of weeks ago, and What the Bleeper Down the Rabbit Hole came up, and uh, both of those are very good videos. Okay, I don't see any questions about loneliness and solitude, but those are really good comments. Oh, John's back up, and he says, uh, amazing how we interfere with automatic attraction to avoid the imagined fear of social rejection by overselling ourselves with overly overly hyped production value and bondo fluff. You hear what he's saying, right? Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, yeah, it's like where's this big sales program? You know, uh, to build ourselves up and entice, seduce, or lure people into relationships. If instead we just turned within and discovered what was really true and and beautiful and well, what's the Trinity? The good, the true, the beautiful. Find your goodness, find your truth, find your beauty. If you're unfamiliar with that Trinity, you might want to write it down. The good, the true, and the beautiful. You know, the good, the God, the goodness. Truth is love, the heart and soul, consciousness. And uh, beauty is the appearance, the physical forms that all of this takes. The good, the true, and the beautiful. That's a, a really nice trinity. Find that in you. Give it away. And as John and uh, Jim said, your lo- your loneliness will go to onlyness. And... That quality of alone is all one. That quality of solitude is fulfilling. Okay, It's an abundance of spirit. It's not other people that, uh, or even animals, although they come close, that, that will end your loneliness. It's you. And your understanding, your curiosity, your commitment to who am I really, what am I for. You know, In religion and philosophy, purpose of life can be said to be essentially unknown. That the purpose of existence, the the reason the one created the many, or the creator created its creation, may be too much for anybody to ever know. But meaning, I'd like to suggest, is personal. We often use those terms interchangeably. The purpose and meaning of life, or the meaning and purpose of life. Well, consider that purpose is is at such a high level of divinity that we couldn't really comprehend it. There's no way you could really get your brain around it. I don't know. Maybe we can. I've heard it said that um, the reason we exist is... uh, so that the one, the most high, the essence of divinity, can experience itself. The key word being experience for all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere equally present. All-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere equally present. doesn't leave much. It's like, well, why would you need to create a creation then? Well, how about to experience it? You see, what if the divine knows all melodies? but would rather incarnate in form as Tchaikovsky and Springsteen and Dylan and Mozart just to have the experience of isolating particular melodies and harmonies. And, you know, I, I also like, I think it's Ken Wilber, the Buddhist writer, that says the reason, the purpose 
of existence is even God does not want to have dinner alone, or God likes a good story, and so it created this universe. But uh, meaning, on the other hand, different from purpose. Maybe purpose is capitalized in that sense, and meaning is not. I would suggest that meaning is very personal and is up to you to figure out and to develop and to bring to the table. The meaning of your life is up to you. Maybe not the purpose. Maybe that's on a much higher level. I would ask you to reflect on that a little bit. Okay, so if there's no other questions or comments, then uh, let's do our uh, guided imagery exercise for the day today. That uh, We're just a little on the right side of the top of the hour, so uh, our timing is good. So, providing that it's an appropriate time and you're in an appropriate place that you can do this right now, I'd like to suggest that you get as comfortable as you can. Somebody asked me recently, is it okay if I meditate laying down? Well, sure, although it's possible you'll fall asleep. Usually when you lay down and close your eyes and relax, you're going to sleep. So a good way to prevent that is to sit up. You don't have to sit perfectly straight. I'm not a yoga teacher. I'm not that orthodox. But get a sense of sitting in alignment. Sit comfortably but erect. And as you feel yourself in your body, just become aware of how you feel in your body. Close your eyes. Take a couple of nice slow deep breaths. Pulling in strength and power as you inhale through your nose and as you exhale either through the nose or the mouth. Feel the letting go. Ah. And do it again, a second time, a third time. Always inhaling through the nose, rich oxygen, strength and power. Pause as you peak and then ah, exhale. Feel the letting go as you exhale. And then let your body breathe itself, all by itself. Turn it over to involuntary. And put your attention for a few moments on the bottom of your nose, at the very point where breath enters and leaves your body. This is an ancient and time-proven technique. For bringing yourself into the now, into the moment, into the only thing that's real, the eternal unfolding instant that is the in-breath, the pause, the out-breath, the pause. But instead of breathing yourself, as we did initially with the big deep breaths, now you're letting go and allowing your body to find its own rhythm and its own cadence, and you become the watcher, the witness. This is what witnessing means, the witness of your experience. You become self-centered, but not the separative self, the egoic self. But as you meditate, as you let go, as you relax, ah, your sense of self becomes much more harmonious. 
even unitive, is you detach, oddly, you detach to become more unitive. You detach and let go of your thoughts and your feelings and even your breathing to find your harmonious connection to all things. Breathe and relax. As beginners, we're inevitably distracted either by external sounds or more often than not internal ideas demanding our attention, trying to distract us. That's the ego that wants you to believe that you exist only as ego. It doesn't want to really get behind your development of a sense of a higher self. So it's going to try to distract you. Treat it gently, kindly, lovingly. Don't fight it. Don't argue with it. Don't push away those distractions. Let them fall. Let them drop. Or as one teacher of mine said, those invasive thoughts could appear to be like birds on a telephone wire and they land for a moment, but then they fly away. They're just of no concern. Let, let those fly away and put your attention back on the sweetness of being able to sit here for just ten minutes feeling so safe so relaxed with nothing on your agenda other than to experience your body breathing itself all by itself and if you'd like you can create in your mind's eye a place of perfect peace a, a beautiful wilderness as we discussed earlier in the class today but it's in your mind's eye. And it may look very much like a place you've actually visited. It could be entirely from your imagination or a combination of the two. You could be high in a mountain or deep in a valley. But in your mind's eye, see this place. The feeling you're making it up is the right feeling, but don't make it an effort. Allow it to come to you. Allow it to come from you. Images of trees and bushes and grasses and blue sky and a few white puffy clouds. Allowing my voice to go with you, you can easily imagine the sound of birds singing and the wind in the tops of the tallest trees. Feel the sense of being so far from the roads and the cities that it doesn't even matter what day it is or what time it is. You have no watch, no calendar, no ID, no keys, no money. And you're alone in the wilderness, miles from the nearest road, farther still from the nearest city. And you sit on a tree stump or a log or a rock or a grassy spot beneath a shade tree. And you're stimulated, but not by the sounds of people talking, not by the activities of people in commerce and business. 
Instead, you're stimulated by the birds singing and the sound of the wind and the trees and rustling through the bushes. Maybe the sound of a little stream beside you bubbling, giggling as it spills down the hillside. A little cascade of water, maybe a waterfall. And the other sounds that go with this beautiful place of perfect peace. And if, in a situation like this, you were ever to feel lonely, know that that loneliness has much less to do. Experience right now the truth of my statement. That the loneliness you may feel in a situation like this, or in a city surrounded by people, that the feeling of loneliness has little to do with how many or how few are around you. Loneliness, in any circumstance or situation, is a sense of our own spiritual poverty, our personal confusion about who we really are, and the meaning, if not the purpose, certainly the meaning of my life. Decide on a meaning. Decide also to make it a process that unfolds over time. Take that time to allow your sense of who you are, of your particular gifts and talents, based on what you care about and your priorities and your deep and intimate values. Not just priorities, but the values that underlie them. And why are they yours? And why do you care at all? And whatever the answers are, it will fill you, feeling filled and full and fulfilled, Loneliness is replaced by solitude and the richness of spirit in knowing you are, always have been, and clearly now always will be your own best friend. And when you pass from this mortal coil and you lose your physical body and the ebb and flow of emotions are replaced by simple joy and happiness for no reason. And the confusing mind is replaced by a higher level of thought that is much more clear and more intuitive, not simply logical and deductive. Then you will come to experience A feeling that transcends physical, emotional, or mental sense and sensation. Transcends physical feeling, emotional feeling, and mental thought. An ineffable sense of okayness. Of being more than enough. A sense of contentment, satisfaction, again, fulfillment that allows you to experience the whole universe within you. So 
such that you could never be lonely again. The best in you, your higher nature, the spiritually infused sense of self, will always then be your best friend, your lover, your guide and counselor. And your connection, therefore, to those truly other individuals in your life, your spouse, your kids and parents, your best friends and neighbors, radiating out to embrace all that is. And use nature whenever you can. Close your eyes and meditate in a beautiful natural garden or paradise like this. And make it a point to walk in a city park, in the foothills or the mountains. Find some trailheads. Buy a book. Start with a short hike. Half the time you want to walk, go on out, and then turn around and just come back. Take a little canteen of water with you. That's all you need. Maybe a cell phone if you're not sure <laughs> where you're going. But in our busy lives and our all the all the working and, and networking, uh, the 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 business connections, the the frenzy of the phone ringing and and commuting and going to work and doing your errands and all of that. If you can't get out into nature, you can always come here as easily as setting aside 10 or 15 minutes. Closing your eyes, breathing, relaxing, visualizing, and feel the fulfillment within you. The antidote to loneliness is inside you. Whoever would have thought. Bring it forward easily and effortlessly. Give yourself away. without any interest or attention or expectation in what may accrue as a result. Give to give with no thought of a return. And experience the richness of solitude, alone or in the middle of a city, the fulfillment that we seek as spiritual beings what appear to be separated forms. It's not that we need to reach out and touch someone as bring the inside out to radiate or emanate, to offer it up freely without condition, to give it away, to give away your loneliness with thoughtful, considerate encouragement and gratitude and appreciation. Feel that fulfillment though. Feel the peace, the ever greater qualities of peace of mind and love and harmony that await your discovery and development as you sit here alone, all one. Part of the one thing, the one life.
set of feelings you can bring with you easily back into the waking state as you now reorient yourself toward the sound of my voice. Think about the room in which you sit. As it feels right and appropriate for you, take a nice, slow, deep breath. Tell yourself all of this will be so easy to remember. And as you exhale now, uh, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, refreshed, rested, with a full memory and a deep understanding of what we've done back in the room. And thank you very much. Feeling fine. And uh, feeling that fulfillment, that connection. Good turnout today, by the way. I um, really appreciate you guys being here. I want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, you have both replay and podcast. You have downloading, streaming, and podcast available to you for this event and all past events. All you have to do to get any of those three, or all, all of those three, is go to my website, theagelesswisdom.com. Remember the T-H-E, theagelesswisdom.com. Or if it's easier to remember, michaelbenner.com goes to the same place now. And just click on home page, and when you go inside, you'll see on the left a link that says web teleconference, about halfway down. It's about eight or ten links there. Look for web teleconference, click on that, and there they are. They're all sitting there by date and theme, and you can listen to any one you want. You can hear it streaming from our server. You can click the MP3 download button and bring it onto your machine if you prefer and keep it on your uh, machine. You can uh, also podcast from that same page. Down at the bottom of the page, you can subscribe for free to the weekly podcast of this event and listen to that on your computer. That's an auto-download. That's all a podcast is, an automatic download into usually iTunes or a similar pod catcher. Or you could, uh, from there, uh, reflect it onto an iPod or a, some other portable uh, device. Podcasting is becoming uh, more and more popular. And if you're still confused about it, just find a young person. Find somebody under 20, and <laughs> they'll be able to help you. You can buy iPods now for 50 bucks and uh, a variety of colors and flavors. They're really really pretty cool. You don't have to get the big one if you don't want. Uh, 180 gigs is a lot of information. You may not want one that big. These little ones are really cool. I know people with two or three little ones. They put all their podcasts on one, all their music on another, their uh, exercise uh, audio tapes on another one, whatever. So that's the story. TheAgelessWisdom.com. Click on homepage then on web teleconference and listen either streaming or once you're at the site, download it or subscribe to the podcast. That's all available to you. And finally, and in many ways, most importantly, um, click on that button down in the lower right of the screen that says, unless you're listening by podcast, uh, that says wage inner peace now. If you're listening by podcast and not looking at a computer screen, then uh, go to Focus to Passion. Dot com. Here you want to remember the ED, FocusedPassion.com. We have a new video that we're going to post in a few weeks. We have a new splash page. We even have an expanded concept for FocusedPassion.com. 
but what stays the same is the centerpiece of all the new content we're going to be adding is the premium podcast that Steve and I do every week. It's an hour long, 50 to 60 minutes. It's uh, It contains, a, like, like this program, a guided imagery exercise. But what you get is a, a couple of guys, Steve and myself, who've dedicated our whole lives to personal and spiritual development, to grow success and fulfillment in conversation. I, I think that's one of the things that's really different about the premium podcast, Finding Yourself in Paradise at FocusPassion.com. It, um, it's uh, not just one guy talking at you the way I have been here, or most personal development programs, one person giving you instruction or lecture or some speech or something. Uh, with Steve and I, you listen to these premium podcasts that we're doing, and it's like eavesdropping in a conversation. It's all. Uh, I, I think it's really, really beneficial in a lot of different ways. But you got to check it out. And you know, we'll guarantee this thing. It's ninety nine cents. It's ninety nine pennies a week. For, uh, in other words, we bill you three dollars and ninety six cents a month for this premium podcast. And if you're not happy with it, let us know. And the Listen to three or four of these programs, and if in the first month you don't like it, send me an email. I will uh, rebate your money. I guarantee it. Steve will guarantee it. It's easy to rebate. And uh, as we put in the changes, uh, the expansions and improvements, uh, this is going to get even easier for you to do. Um, So there's no risk involved. And if you like this, I think you'll really like the premium podcast. And subscribe now, and then we'll continue to tell you as the weeks get closer. It's just going to be a few more weeks, and we're going to have a greatly expanded uh, website with lots more content. For no additional fee, it'll still just be this crazy, silly, affordable 99 cents a week. Okay, we do a lot for free, and we'll continue to do a lot of stuff for free, but we need just a little bit of financial support, pennies, uh, to pay the broadband costs and uh, to bring you even more content and develop our website. So that's the whole idea of clicking on that button in the lower right of your screen that says Wage Inner Peace Now. Other links are below it. My website, the audio archives for this class, my profile on LinkedIn. You'll see all of that in the lower right. And if you are listening on a podcast, then just go to my website theagelesswisdom.com and go inside to the web teleconferences. It's all right there. All right? You guys are great. Thanks very much. Also, if you're not sending a comment to me because you have something private you don't want me to read during the event, email me at mb, my initials, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Okay? mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Com and I'll uh, email right back to you, okay? Any personal or private stuff you got. And that includes coaching, too. If you have a desire for coaching, counseling, or training, I do that over the phone. A couple of days a week, I dedicate myself to that. Um, that's all guaranteed, too. People really benefit from the one-on-one, whether it's a full 10-session training that you want to do um, or and I've got one called Feeling Like Yourself, a 10-session training I've done for 20 years and it just gets better and tighter, and people benefit more from it all the time. Significant investment in yourself. Or 
just a single session, a single one-hour session on the phone. Be happy to arrange anytime, 24/7. You can call the phone number 818-569-3017. Okay, 569-3017 in the 818 area code. Call anytime, 24/7. Leave a message. We'll get back to you. So thanks so much for being here today. Join us next Sunday. Be sure and tell your friends. Forward those emailed invitations. Really appreciate that, too. That's how we grow virally on the Internet. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha. <laughs>